You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our chapter today falls within a much larger section of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Back in Roman times, before the postal service had been invented, if you wanted to deliver a letter, you'd give it to someone you knew was already heading the direction that you were wanting to send it. You can usually see at the end of Paul's letters a tribute of who he's sending the letter with. In this case, I think it's Timothy. Um, And if someone was going on a trip from wherever you were, uh, in this case a a church or or wherever, uh, you wouldn't want to let that opportunity go to waste because travel was expensive in those days. So maybe you'd send just a simple life update or maybe you'd... uh, offer a, a list of questions uh, that you, you have for somebody or, or anything like that. Um, so what we have today in our passage is the Q&A section of Paul's letter. You, it, it begins earlier in the letter, I think, it, I think in chapter 7 or initially, um, and ours, ours starts in chapter 8. Uh, the church in Corinth had sent one of these letters of questions to Paul. So he takes this part of his letter to answer them. And the one he's dealing with right now in our passage, which Zach, he talked about last week, is about food sacrifice to idols. So this goes from 8 to the beginning of 12. So if you open your pew Bible uh, and look at at chapter 8, verses 1, you'll see at the very beginning it says, now Concerning, And you see that phrase, now concerning, kind of throughout the letter, and it's like, uh, it's a, a segue into each new question. It's like, okay, we know and this is how he's answering our, our next question on our list that we, we sent him. So there were questions about marriage, food sacrifice to idols. He'll get into questions about the resurrection, even later in the letter. Um, and so that segue phrase is, is kind of the key to this, this section. Um, so that means that what we, what we have in our reading today is a slice of a much larger argument. And he's really, he's just arguing the same thing from a different angle that we, we talked about last week. So when Paul is asked about food sacrifice to idols, he answers that, yes, Christians are free from all food restrictions. But like Zach said in his sermon, true Christian freedom really is the freedom to give yourself away, to sacrifice yourself, your rights, as it says in verse 9 in our passage, for the sake of your sister or brother. The Corinthians had collapsed Christian freedom with what the world calls freedom, being able to live however you want, But that freedom, like Zach reminded us, is actually bondage. Ours is a freedom from having to live for yourself. I can let go of my rights as a Christian because I've been given all I really need in Christ. I'm now free to give myself away 
as our passage says, free of charge. So I want us to look at verse 19. It's important to have your pew Bible open for this because our section is so large, it's important to look back and forth. Uh, So in verse 19, he kind of summarizes what we have. So it's the verse right after what we have printed in our bulletin. He summarizes the, the whole passage that we're about to look at. So this is right afterwards. He says in verse 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Verse 8, the beginning of our passage, jumps right into an argument Paul is making about how pastors ought to have a right to receive benefits from their congregation. So in Paul's case, food and housing expenses when his team would visit. Oftentimes people were reluctant to allow his team and and, uh, their spouses to stay in in their homes and offer food to them and and take care of them. They were reluctant. And so he's he's making an argument of, you owe this to the, the, the pastors and the families who come and visit you. And he uses an example, look in verse 7 of our passage, or really just before, that just like soldiers who they don't have to cover their military expenses, it's covered by the job, neither do Paul's missionary team, neither do they need to be expected to cover their expenses when they visit. In verse 9, he continues that, he uses an analogy. He draws from Deuteronomy 25, where the law says not to muzzle an ox while it's helping you tread out your wheat. Let it eat the grain it's treading. And Paul says God wants us to apply that same principle to pastors, whether your job is plowing or threshing, in those old words. No one ought to not receive benefit from the gospel that they're preaching. And in verse 13, he says, look, you know, the, the priests and the, the workers in the temple, how they got their meals from the, the temple sacrifices, the same things for us, we should have a living wage from ministry, Paul says. But Paul sets this whole argument up to serve a larger point. It's really not about paying pastors, although that's a little part of it. Paul doesn't actually accept payment from the Corinthians. It kind of shows that that's really not his point. He doesn't have to exercise his right as a pastor to receive payment. See, Paul is free to work for free, to present the gospel of freedom free of charge. See, if Paul took payment, Paul could only preach to those who could afford it. But here is a gospel for all people. Preaching only for pay is an obstacle to the gospel. Just like eating food sacrificed to idols was an obstacle to Christians with, as he called it, weak consciences. And like he says at the end of verse 12, we should endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Whether a person is weak in their conscience or in their income, Christians 
having been freed in Christ, ought to abandon any right of theirs, whether food, drink, or a living wage, to overcome every obstacle to the gospel, giving themselves to each other as Christ gave himself to us. Paul's point is subtle, but immensely important. The gospel of Jesus is for the weak. No one can afford the gospel. You can't come to Jesus in the words of our prayer of humble access, trusting in your own righteousness, but in God's manifold and great mercies. There's absolutely nothing in us that can merit God's favor. And so there should be nothing in us that keeps us from giving ourselves over to our neighbor. And it's important to look at Paul's own story here. He brings it up a little. He kind of hints at it in verse 16. Look where it says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. That last phrase is important, for necessity is laid upon me. It's kind of drawing the image of like an oxen with the weight of its yoke when it's, when it's plowing. It's literally burdened with the weight of its job physically. And Paul is using this like an image of being, as he often introduces himself at the beginning of his letters, a slave to Christ. And he, he goes back to it again in verse 17. Look, he says, I am trusted with a stewardship. The word there has a lot to do with like a household, looking over a house. And so it's a lot like the parable of the talents and other, other parables of servants that Jesus tells throughout his Gospels. So like in, in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, where, where Jesus, he tells the story of a master who gives his estate over to, the, to be, in, he entrusts it to his servants. And so Paul is given stewardship over the Lord's house, these churches as an apostle, just like the master entrusted his property to his stewards in Jesus' parable. And as a bond servant of Christ, Paul says it would subvert God's calling on him to accept pay. That would put him at the service of people rather than his master. To take pay would put him at the service of only those who could afford him. But God called Paul from his privileges and rights as a Pharisee and a Roman citizen to give those privileges up in order to be, as it says, a servant to all. The gospel had come out of the backwaters of the Roman Empire. That's kind of how you, you saw the, the ancient Near East over there, the backwaters. And Paul, well, he was well-to-do. And now, after his calling on the Damascus Road, Paul's indebtedness to Christ has him at the service of both the educated rich and the uneducated poor, the wise and the foolish. 
He's to preach a gospel that makes dogs worthy of salvation. Those who have to beg for care. And it's a gospel that speaks plainly to our day, a world in which health care is relegated only to those who can afford it, where the rich and affluent always seem to skip the line for organ donations. But this is a gospel with no entrance fee. It's the kind of gospel that inspired the 4th century Bishop Basil of Caesarea, who, after seeing sick beds that only admitted the wealthy, he created the forerunner of today's modern hospital, immediate care to all, even if you can't foot the bill. And that's what Paul presents here, a gospel free of charge. A gospel that grabs hold of you, lays necessity upon you, and compels you to preach. If you've been around the Advent long enough, you've likely heard the story of the, the plaque in the pulpit, how Frank Limehouse would often comment about how we ought to have a plaque about that we should preach the gospel in the pulpit, you know. Uh, whether, whether Jesus died to preach this sermon, he often said. And so the verse is, is now in a plaque up there. It says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. What we have in our passage today. A reminder that ministry, whether from the pulpit or from the pew, our obligation is to give the good news of Jesus in ministry. That quoting from chapter 15, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and to the twelve, and that, like Paul says back in chapter 2, we ought to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's our good news to give to the world. Woe to us if we preach anything else. Jesus has freed us from all so that we can freely give ourselves to all. And nothing of ours ought to stand in the way of that. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.